virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of the King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her, For you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. And he will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will, be, he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, But how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby will be born, will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything that you have said about me come true. And the angel left her. When Mary was told that she was going to have a child, when she was told that she was a virgin and now she was going to give birth, what that meant in Jewish tradition is meant that she would be stoned. That the result of what she had done because she had become pregnant and she was betrothed to Joseph means that she was to receive death. That doesn't look like good news. It doesn't look like a happy situation. But in just a minute... We're going to see what Mary's response was to what the angel Gabriel had told her and how she responded to being the mother of the Son of God. Christmas Day Their old familiar carols play And mild and sweet their songs repeat Peace on earth, goodwill to men And the bells are Despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I say. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. But the bells are ringing. And like a choir they're singing Does anybody hear them? Peace on earth, goodwill to men Then rang the bells more loud and deep God is not dead nor does he shall fail the right prevail with peace on earth goodwill to men then ringing singing on its way the world revolved from night to day voice a chime a chance to With peace on earth, goodwill to men, and the bells are ringing, and like a choir they're singing. 
responds to this calling on her life. It's amazing calling on her life. Not with a sense of burden, not with a sense of despair, not with a sense of fear, but she responds to this calling on her life with a sense of praise. How she responds to this amazing responsibility is not one of burden or, or, or with tears or with fear or anticipation of what's going to happen, but simply with praise. I think Mary got it. I think Mary understood it. I think that Mary really understood the gravity of the situation. It was this unfolding right before. Here we see Mary's response in Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 46. It says, Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and now all the generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy for generation, from generation to generation to all who fear him. His, his mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble he has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty, with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he has made his promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then went back to her own home. So here Mary is in the middle of a situation where the angel Gabriel has, has talked and, and has proclaimed what is going to happen. Mary is betrothed to Joseph. She has no idea how Joseph will respond. All she knows is that God has put this thing in her life that it is a great calling. And, and I'm sure that there was some anticipation. Some, some feeling in her life like, what is Joseph going to say when I tell him I am with child? Uh, what, what are people around me going to think when they, they, they see this thing is happening to me? And they know that I'm not married. What's, what's going to happen? And she simply responds with praise. Do you realize that when, when, when God enters our lives in a powerful, tremendous way, that sometimes initially there are things that, that, that happen that we're, we're fearful. We're afraid. We're scared. We're unsure. We're full of doubt and anticipation. I, I'm not exactly sure what is going to happen as a result. But God reassures us. He brings good news and great joy. And he says, fear not, I have a plan. Fear not, I have a plan. I know in my own life, I struggle sometimes. I, I struggle with, with doubt and with fear. And, and, and I just sometimes even feel like I'm to the point where I want to give up. And then when God speaks to my heart, he says, fear not, fear not, great joy, good tidings, I have a plan, just rest in me, just turn towards me and see that I have a plan and I have got everything laid out before you. It's only in his peace and not in our own peace. We'll never find peace on our, in ourselves. God, it has to come from God and God alone. And that's what Mary did and that is the reason that she could praise God for what he had done in her life. Thank you. 
shepherds staying in the fields nearby guarding their flocks of sheep suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them they were terrified but the angel reassured them do not be afraid he said I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people the Savior yes the Messiah the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped in snuggling and strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others. The armies of heaven praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angel had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was a baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone uh, what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard of the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God. For all they had heard and seen, it was just as the angel had told them. You would think if God was going to announce his coming, he would do it to kings 
and, and, and to chief priests and, and to noblemen and people of stature and of importance. But instead, he announced his coming to lowly shepherds. Shepherds were considered a little bit lower in society. As a matter of fact, they weren't even allowed to testify in court. Shepherds were not seen like everybody else. These were guys that, that, that stayed outside most of the time, and maybe they weren't super clean, and they weren't able to be quite like everybody else. And God said, I'm going to announce my coming to those people. And here they are, out in the field, watching over their sheep, and God announces his coming through the glory of heavenly hosts, singing praises to God, saying, there is good news. He says, the Messiah, the one that you've been looking for to set you free, has come, and he's humbly lying in a manger. There was no room for him in the end, so, so he's found a place, humble just like you. You humble shepherds, he's just like you, and he is the Son of God. This is good news. It, this, the good news is, is that it doesn't matter where your status is, it doesn't matter where you fall in the ranking in this world. What matters is that God knows who you are. And that God is going to proclaim his glory to you. And he is going to show you that I came for you. I came for the lowest of the lows. You're the ones that I want. And you're the ones that, that, that I want to reach out to and let you see my glory. And here they are standing in the middle of heaven on earth. As all these heavenly hosts are proclaiming the glory of God good news good news
Matthew chapter 2, we see this. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea in the reign of King Herod. About the time some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking them, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this. As was everybody in Jerusalem, he heard he, had, he called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the religious law and asked, where is this Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea. They said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are, are least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise man. He learned from them the time the star first appeared. And he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so I can go and worship him too. After his, this interview, the wise men went their way. And the star they, they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. They offered him their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And it was time to leave. They returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. I told you last week I would tell you who the wise men were. A lot of people know them as the Magi. You may have heard that in the Christmas story before. The Magi came to see this newborn baby. Well, the Magi were from a place called Persia. Uh, it's the Babylonian kingdom that was in the east. It says that the Magi came from the east, right? The wise men came from the east. Oh, here's, here's, here's the good stuff, man. What happened was, is that these magi, they had heard about a king that was going to be born of the Jews by a guy named Daniel. Over 500 years before the birth of Jesus, these magi had been taught by this guy named Daniel. We know that Daniel was a Jew. He was a man that loved God and pursued God. And we all know the story of Daniel in the lion's den. And what happened is as King Nebuchadnezzar continued to have these dreams and these visions about what was to happen, he would call in these wise men. If you read in Daniel, you will see he kept calling in wise men to try to discern what he was dreaming. But they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. So they said, well, there's this Jewish guy named Daniel, and he has the power of God on his side. And, and that Jewish God, he is able to do things that we've never seen before. The God that the Jews worship, he's able to do things that, that we've never believed could, were even possible before. And it says, as Daniel interpreted the dreams from Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar put him in charge of these people called the Magi, the wise men. So who were they? Their purpose, they were a group of a, a larger group of people called the Medes. They were responsible for naming kings. If you were going to be a Persian king, you had to be trained in the ways of the Medes and the Persians. You had to be trained in this law and this understanding of science and of knowledge and all of these things. You had to be trained up in the law of the Medes and the Persians. And then if you were going to be a Persian king, you know how, who had to crown you king? The Magi. What does this mean? Well, what does this mean to you and to I? It means it doesn't matter if not a single person in the area around Bethlehem was going to crown him king, he was king. If God had to go all the way to Babylon to bring kingmakers into Bethlehem to say, this is, king, this is what a king looks like, he was going to crown him king. You know why? Because Jesus was king. 
It didn't matter that he lived, he was born in a manger. It didn't matter that, that he lived a lowly existence. What mattered is the fact that he was king and God had put a star in these Medes and, and, and Persians. They would look and the Magi would look and they would see stars because they were stargazers. And they said, there's something going on in that place over there. The king has been born. God has shown us that the king has been born where would they have learned that? They learned that from a guy some 500 years before them named Daniel who had told them a story of a, a Messiah that would come one day and he would be the king of the Jews. And what did they bring him? They bring him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Everybody's, well, that's good. What does that mean? Gold representing the fact that he was king. Frankincense that they burned in the temple Representing the fact that he was God. And myrrh. What's the myrrh all about? They brought this young child. Probably a couple years old at this point in time. You know what they brought him? They brought him burial spices. This king. This young king. That they had crowned him king. And now they're giving him burial spices. The good news that doesn't look like good news is that from his very birth he was supposed to die. And that's why these Persian kingmakers brought him burial spices.
After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up and flee to Egypt, the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until you, till I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt, and the child is with Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled the Lord, what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, I called my son out of Egypt. Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him, and he sent soldiers to kill all the boys in Bethlehem who were two years old and under, based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. Herod's brutal action fulfilled what God had spoken to the prophet Jeremiah. A cry was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. Let me tell you the beauty of this passage. So Herod sends out a decree to have all the the little boys in this particular part of the world to be killed. And, and, And Matthew points out here the connection between this and, and what, what the prophet had written to say that, that there, there's crying out of Ramah. Rachel weeps for her children. We talked about this last week and, and what this really means. Rachel is weeping for, for all of Israel. In this particular passage, it's about them being taken into captivity by the Babylonians. Ramah is the place where they were all gathered together, where the chains were put on the people of Israel to take them into captivity. And here, he's making a connection between that and all the mothers in Bethlehem that their sons are being slaughtered because of Herod's decree. You know what I believe God is telling us, telling us through this? I think that God is saying, good news, I have a plan. I have a plan. For the people of Israel. These people that were taken into captivity into Babylon. That is where Daniel was there. And he's the one that was put in charge of the Magi. And the Magi would one day decree that the king has come. They would crown him king when they came from the east. And they gave him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I think what God is showing us over and over and over again. Were these women that had lost their little boys. For the people of Israel that have been taken into captivity in Babylon, I think what God is showing us is take heart. I have a plan. I have a plan for you, and one day you will understand the plan. You can't see it right now, but I promise you I've got a plan. And it's good news, although it doesn't look like it right now. And for you, when you walk through the door this morning, I want to tell you this, that God has a plan. It may not look like good news right now, but God has a plan for you and for your life. And it is not one where you just get good things in the next 20 minutes or 20 years. It is where you get good things for all of eternity. It is where you get to stand in the presence of the heavenly hosts, just like the shepherds, those lowly shepherds. You get to stand in the presence of those heavenly hosts and praise Jesus forever. It doesn't look like good news at the time, but I promise you, it is good news and great joy. Some of you have lost people you love, people very close to you, people that that it hurts very deeply when you think at Christmas time about them not being with you. I get it, okay? I promise you, I get it. Here's what I'm here to tell you. Good news and great joy. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? 1 Corinthians 15.55, quoting Hosea 13.14. Death no longer has the victory because God had a plan. There is no more nor, nor weeping, nor crying, uh, that he will wipe away every single tear for all of eternity. And you can rejoice. And you can say, it really is good news. I know you're hurting. I know that you miss the people that you love. I know that you wish that they were here with you during the holidays. But we can rejoice because God has defeated death when he nailed his son to the cross for you and for I. Good news. 
And when they buried him in a borrowed tomb, a guy named Joseph of Arimathea, who was a closet Christian that nobody really knew, and he proclaimed in front of the world, you take Jesus and you put him in my tomb because I'm a Christian. And when Nicodemus, when he took 75 pounds of myrrh to anoint the body of Jesus, he proclaimed that I am a Christian. And death no longer has any sting and no longer has victory. They went to get him. They anointed his body and they, they, they put him away. And he's not there. He's not there. He, he, after they, they put his body away, after they took him down off the cross and anointed his body and put it away, those same guys that got to, to, uh, to anoint the body of Jesus, they later on got the good news of great joy that he's not there anymore, that he is risen. You want to look for a reason to rejoice this Christmas? Death doesn't have any sting. It has no victory. But you do have a choice. You do have a choice this Christmas by how you respond to it. Every single person in this place has a choice. Whether you respond to the calling of God in your life to repentance and to come and have a relationship with Him or not. If you do not have that relationship, then you will suffer death and eternal death and eternal separation from God. But if you have a relationship with Jesus, death has no victory and it has no sting. If you need to come and pray and maybe you just need to thank God for what he did on the cross for you and I. The fact that that little baby was from the very beginning given burial spices because one day he would die and he would die for you and for I. Maybe you need to come down here and fall down and just give your life to Jesus Christ. You say, you know what? We talked about Nicodemus and we talked about the fact that you have to be born of the Spirit. We had people come to the realization, I've never been born of the Spirit. I'm giving my life to Jesus Christ, and I am a new creation today. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's you. Maybe for the first time ever, you want to celebrate, celebrate Christmas as a Christian, not somebody that just comes to church. Let me pray, and you're welcome to come. Father, thank you, God, for Christmas. God, for the ability to celebrate because of what you did as you came lowly and humble. God, there was no place for Jesus to be born like most children are born in that day and time. He had to be born outside. God, but you did that so we could see that you came for each and every one of us. You came humbly so that even the lowest of the low, God would recognize that we can have a relationship with Jesus. And even though there were people all around there that were Jews and knew of, of the Messiah that was to be born and where he was to be born, God, you brought people from the east and you crowned him king because he was king. I praise your name for that. And I praise your name for the fact that even though his own did not receive him, when he came into his own and his own did not receive him, to those who did receive him, to those that believed in his name, you gave them the right to be children of God. I praise your name for that. And those children of God, the people that believe in your name, the people that, that trust in you as king and as Lord, and you reign and rule in their life, God, death has no sting in their life. It has no victory. All because that was all defeated on the cross. God, we celebrate Christmas we celebrate a baby in a manger. I pray that we celebrate the cross and we, pray, we praise the name of Jesus hanging on that cross for each and every one of us. And God, we anoint the body of Jesus in our own hearts and in our own minds. And we proclaim him as our Lord. God, I pray for people here. They don't know him. They don't have a relationship with him. God, the evidence in their life is that they have not been born of the Spirit. God, I pray for their souls. God, I ask you to draw them to you. I ask for you to just, just let their heart pound out of their chest, God, so that they will come to you and they will come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. They will stop playing games, and God, they will just come to you wholeheartedly and surrender everything to you. I pray for that person. And I pray for the person that's hurting this Christmas season, Lord. The holidays when family, they were all gathered together, sometimes it just hurts because we miss those that we love. 
I pray for healing and for restoration of their hearts. I pray that they would just find, the fi- find joy and hope in the fact that death no longer has any victory or any sting. God, however you need to work in the hearts and lives of people, God, I pray that we would just respond wholeheartedly to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you all please stand? Thank you so much, Lord, for Christmas and the ability to just serve you, God, and honor you and praise you. Lord, thank you so much, God, for this season that reminds us of who Jesus really was and how he came to the earth in a humble fashion for each and every one of us, that that truly is good news, that the death of our Savior meant good news for all of us. He died in the place of us 
He died for all of our sins that we deserved. And God, we have reason to praise you and we have reasons to rejoice because of the sacrifice. God, the penalty, the price that was paid on the cross for each and every one of us. We praise your name. And now as we come to our time of giving, God, I just pray that we would give from our hearts as you lead us to give. For the purpose of the gospel, God, we know that it takes money and resources to continue to preach the gospel. And I just pray that we would do that wholeheartedly as you lead us to do. God, we just give from our hearts. God, thank you so much, Lord, for giving church, people that love you. And they just want, God, your gospel to go out from this place. God, because they've experienced the goodness of your grace and they want others to experience that goodness. Lord, we thank you for this time of giving. May you be honored by it. In Jesus' name. You can be seated. Mm-hmm. 